So I'd like to start off today talking about sleep. Now, I'm not talking about sleep because too many of you fell asleep last night, last week during service. That's not what we're talking about. Um, you'll see why it fits in here. But I want to start by asking, do we have any like super sleepers in here? You know, the types of people that you can fall asleep at a moment's notice. Anybody? We've got a few, right? You guys are amazing to me. The people, it's like, my wife is this way, is her head starts going down toward the pillow. Her eyes are already closed and she's almost out. Like, it's that kind of a thing. I, I, I know being on an airplane one time, I remember getting down. I don't even think I had my seat buckled yet. And the guy next to me was already out. It's like, they can sleep just at a drop of a hat. Um, not everybody is that way, but sleep is a God-given gift for health, for recovery, and for well-being, right? Because without sleep, we can do some pretty crazy things. <laughs> um, and, and not only that, our, our bodies over time just start falling apart if we don't get enough sleep. So here's some maybe interesting, maybe not interesting facts for you about sleep. This is according to the Sleep Foundation. That's a thing. All right, the Sleep Foundation and the CDC. All right, get a load of this. All adults, all adults, ages eighteen to sixty-four. All right, if you're above sixty-four, I don't. They've got a different scale for you, okay? But eighteen to sixty-four need seven hours or more per night. But only sixty-six percent get that. All right, so. One out of three of us don't sleep seven hours or more as adults, okay? Teenagers, um, that's ages 13, they just, they broke it off at 18, 13 to 18. Teenagers need eight to 10 hours of sleep a night, per night, okay? All teenagers, but only 24% of them get that, okay? Now, you might be curious, what is the, the state that gets the most amount of sleep and the state that gets the least amount of sleep? Well, Minnesota gets the most amount of sleep of any state. I think it's because those winters are cold and you're sleeping a long time each night. Because the lowest, the, the, the one who gets the, um, the least amount of sleep is Hawaii. It's beautiful. I'd want to wake up every day too, right? Okay, but here's the thing about sleep, especially insufficient sleep, when we don't get enough. Insufficient sleep is linked to diabetes, cardiovascular disease, obesity, and depression. Just sleep, just not getting enough sleep impacts all those things, all right? The point is, sleep matters, all right? So I want you to hear that. We're already getting some yawns happening in here. This is good. Sleep matters, but did you know that Jesus talks about sleep in the Bible, in the gospel? He talks about sleep. Now, I have to first off say, most of the time when he's talking about sleep and having conversations about sleep, most of the time he's actually asking the, the disciples to ignore their natural desire for sleep so that they can spend some time in prayer. <laughs> most of the time he's like, guys, don't fall asleep. We really need to pray right now. Because of the intense ministry season that they were in, okay? Um, in, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 13 today, but in the next chapter, Mark 14, it's when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane before he is arrested and taken to the cross. And in that chapter, one of the things that we see is Jesus comes to the disciples and says, guys, 
This is really intense. This really matters. Can you at least stay awake for one hour and let's pray? Because it's really about to get bad. You don't know all that's coming, but it's really going to get bad. Can you stay awake with me for one hour? So Jesus often prioritized prayer even over the basic need for sleep. All right? That's what Jesus is talking about sleep. But the teaching, the teaching of Jesus regarding sleep wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with physically sleeping or not, okay? It was focused on being spiritually awake or asleep. And in that area, Jesus gave his followers a very important call, a call to stay awake, a call to stay awake. That's what we're going to look at here today. And, and where we drop into the book of Mark, some of Jesus' disciples have asked him a pretty big question. They ask him about the end of the world. Okay, because the disciples of Jesus had been with him now for quite a while. They had heard him teach and heard him preach. They had heard him address all these kinds of questions that people would have for him. And some of the things that Jesus talked about is he talked about an afterlife. He talked about heaven. He talked about the end of all things. He talked about the the fact that the Father would separate those who followed him from those who didn't follow him. He talked about heaven and he talked about hell, all these things. And so the disciples approach Jesus and they say to him, Jesus, you keep talking about all this, but when, when is this going to happen? We really want to know. Because if you can tell us exactly when this is going to happen, then of course we'll be prepared for it and we'll know what's going on and it it will all make sense, right? it's It's a great reason. I understand that. It's a good question to ask. But what did Jesus do? He didn't give them a specific date on a calendar, no matter, you know, how hard they tried, and, and despite the fact that that's what people want. And anytime you hear a preacher, pastor, prophet, whatever they label themselves, and they tell you the end of the world is going to happen on this day, you should question that person, all right? Because Jesus himself, when asked that question, would not give them a day. He didn't give them a day, and and we'll actually see why as we go into this passage a little bit. All right, but he didn't give them a date on the calendar. Instead, he began explaining it to them with a series of descriptions and indicators of things that would happen between now and the end of the world. He said there's going to be things like wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be nations that rise and nations that fall. There's going to be all kinds of threats. There's going to be natural disasters. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be pollution. There's going to be flooding. There's going to be a lot that happens. Sounds kind of familiar, right? Open up your newsfeed. All these things are happening. He says all that's going to take place. All right? And so we're going to pick up here today in the middle of this conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples about ultimately the big picture, okay? So if you've got your Bibles, open up to chapter 13 of the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to begin here at the end of the chapter, starting in verse 28, all right? Mark 13, verse 28. And here's what Jesus says. He says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. Now, I'll just tell you, a fig tree was a super common tree, in Israel at the time, okay? So he's talking about something that's very normal, very regular. For us, it'd be like a palm tree. He's like, think about the palm tree, okay? And we're like, okay, I can picture that in my head. I know what they look like. This is what he's saying. He says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender 
and it puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. Now, why would they know that? Because a fig tree, common tree, in the wintertime, it would drop all of its leaves. That's what trees in the other parts of the country here do too, okay? They drop their leaves. In the wintertime, you look out at a forest and it's just a bunch of sticks, right? But when spring comes and, and the temperature warms up and we get all the rains and all that, the trees then begin to put on their leaves for summer and the summer months. And then they fruit and all that, right? That's what he's saying. He say, so think about that. Think about that, that uh, tree and that when the leaves are on, then you know, okay, that's happening, so summer is here. He says in verse 29, he says, So also, when you see these things taking place, all those things I described to you, you see the wars, the earthquakes, the struggle, all that stuff. When you see these things taking place, you know that he, God, is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all of these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And go on here in verse 32. And he says, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, Jesus himself, only the Father. I do not understand how there are people that will tell you this is when the world is going to end with this verse in their Bibles. But they do, okay? Because it sells and it's exciting, I guess. All right? But nobody knows. Not only the Father. And then look what he says about that. He says, so, verse 33, be on guard and keep awake. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Okay? You get the the thrust of this message, right? Jesus is making a very clear call to his followers to stay awake. Four times he actually lists it in here. To stay awake. In light of all the spiritual things that would be taking place, all the ups and downs of life, he repeats it. Stay awake. Now, he obviously didn't mean for them to never sleep again physically, right? He he, he wasn't telling them, okay, guys, I know bedtime is nice, but no more for you. From here on out, we're going to stay awake. You know, drink more coffee, add more caffeine, do what you need to do. No, that's not what he was saying. Um, we've talked about the importance of good sleep and how God has made us to sleep, and it's a gift from God. But he was emphasizing that we need to stay awake spiritually. We need to stay awake spiritually. There will be many difficult things that happen in this life, things that discourage us, things that distract us and cause us to lose sight of spiritual things and the spiritual realm. Now, it's... It's really easy for us to understand ourselves as physical beings, right? We, we know that we're, we're physical. You can look at yourself and be like, yes, I exist. I got in some sort of a car or bike or truck or something, and I moved my physical body from my house today to church. And now I'm sitting here in a room with other physical beings. I can see you. You can see me. We, we, can, we can process that. 
But it's harder for us to recognize another truth about ourselves. And that truth is that we are also spiritual beings. All right? In, in the spiritual world, in your spiritual being is just as real and true as your physical being. We are spiritual, spiritual beings, okay? Our physical life and our spiritual life are intertwined. We are both body and soul, okay? Body and soul. But because it's harder for us to recognize our own spiritual existence, it's also easy for us to ignore, to pretend it's not there, to forget it's there, or to neglect it. Some people believe that spirit and spirituality is just, it's fiction. You talk to some people and like, no, 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 there's no such thing as that. You know, I can't physically deduce it, so therefore it cannot exist. But that's not true. Uh, in that, their case, in many of those cases, it's because their spirit might be asleep. But when we come to Jesus with our lives, even though we have been spiritually dead in our sins, as the way the Bible describes it to us, he makes us alive in him. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 says. We become alive with him. Spiritually alive. That's what it's talking about. But here's the thing. Even though we've been made alive we can still get sleepy, okay? We can still get spiritually sleepy. We can get lulled to sleep by the repetition of every day or assuming that time will go on forever, that we can just deal with the spiritual stuff some other time in the future. That's what Jesus was talking with his disciples about here. He says, listen, I need you to stay awake. You've got to stay awake because there's a real spiritual thing happening and, and if you're not careful, you'll just kind of go on with the flow and just be like, ah, history has always been, the world has always been, the cycle of life keeps spinning, it's just going to keep on going, whatever. But Jesus says, no, 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 don't get lulled to sleep by that. Stay awake. He commands it even and instilled it in his followers. Uh, we actually see this idea echoed in other places in the Bible as well. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 and 6, Paul writing this says, For you, speaking to believers, he says, you're children of light, children of the day. We're not of the night or of the darkness where people are asleep. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. He's saying, keep your spirit awake and alert to what's going on. Okay, so why was staying awake so important to Jesus? I think there's two main reasons, and we're going to look at both of them today. The first main reason that staying awake was important to Jesus was that staying spiritually awake means staying spiritually healthy. Jesus tells us and calls us to stay awake because he cares about your spiritual health. And if you're spiritually asleep, you're on the decline spiritually. And so Jesus says, it's important to stay awake because this is going to keep you healthy spiritually. When you're physically healthy, you're able to function and do all the things that a healthy person can do, right? We can take that for granted. Sometimes when I wake up and I'm feeling good and healthy and I go about my day, I can go through my entire day and 
put my head on the pillow, go to sleep that night, never thinking about the fact, hey, I'm healthy today. I was healthy. That was good. It was a good day. I made it through, right? But when you aren't healthy and there's a limitation to how you exist in the world, oh, you notice that. You know, you get the slightest little scratchy throat, runny nose, and you're like, oh, no, here it comes. I'm going to get sick. Why does it matter? Because you're like, oh, man, if I'm sick, I've got this coming up, I need to do that, and this is going to make me tired, or this is going to make me, you know, have to walk around the box of tissues, and this is going to make all these different things. Because we realize even the slightest um, bit of unhealth in our physical bodies, it slows us down. It impacts us. It, it, it um, reduces the way that we can function and live in the world. So the, the smallest amount um, can really frustrate us. But here's the thing. It's the same way with our spiritual health. We just don't always notice the symptoms as quickly and as easily. When we are spiritually asleep or spiritually sick, we are spiritually limited. We maintain our physical health with things like diet, rest, and exercise. Anybody ever hear that as a kid growing up? You know, you got to get eat right, plenty of rest, and, and you've got to exercise, all right? It works the same way for spiritual health. What's a spiritual diet? The spiritual diet is the input. What are we putting into our spiritual lives? It's, it's the good input of spiritual food, things like the Bible, the truth of the Bible, feeding our souls with what's found in the Word, um, it, allowing Christian influence to permeate our lives, to come in that way. These are the things that, that it's a spiritual diet. Rest, spiritual rest is spending time with God, resting with God, letting him build our spirits back up to refresh us. That's things like prayer and meditating on the word and enjoying nature in a a spiritual sense. Exercise, okay? What is spiritual exercise? That's ministering with the gifts. We, We talked about this call last week, the call to ministry, the call to to serve and to love and to give. But when we aren't spiritually healthy, our spiritual life suffers, and we find that what happens is spiritually, it seems like we get kind of smaller and smaller, as if our soul sort of withers away. Has anybody had a season of their life like that? I I have. And before you know it, you, you wake up one day and you realize, man, my prayers don't seem to be effective. I don't know where my joy went. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I'm snapping at people. I'm finding myself more angry than usual. I've got all these things that are all stirring up in me. But then I step back and realize, ah, my spiritual life isn't really where it's supposed to be. And what do we need to do? We need to get get things back in order and, and line things back up. And we need this encouragement from Jesus. That's why he tells us, look, you've got to stay awake. Stay spiritually awake because he wants us to be spiritually healthy. That's God's plan for us. He wants you to be physically healthy, yes. He also wants you to be spiritually healthy. And we need that encouragement because it isn't always easy. Let's talk about this. You ever been on a road trip before where you're at the end of that road trip and you really want to fall asleep, but you've got a really long way to drive? 
Anybody ever done that before? You're driving, driving, and then it's like, you've already done the fun thing that you went to do. You've already seen what you're going to see, whatever, and you're on your way home. I remember when I was in college, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, we, at, at the school, we would do this um, like college night at um, Magic Mountain up in Santa Clarita. And, you know, you drive up there after the park closes at 7 or whatever. And then they have the park open just for college students from like 7 to 1 a.m. or something. And so you drive up there and then you're hanging out with your friends and you're riding the rides and you're eating junk food and you're doing all this stuff and you're all exhausted. And then at the end of the night, you know, it's 1 a.m. You finally get back to your car. It's 1.32. And then, I mean, back in those days, you could actually drive back down from Santa Clarita in like two and a half hours or something, not 12 hours or whatever it takes to get there now, you know. So you get back in your car and you start driving home. And if you're the one driving, everybody else is like crashing out in the car and you're just like, oh, how am I going to stay awake? What do I need to do? And so then you start using all the tricks that you know. You roll down the window and you stick your head out the window, trying to get some cold air on your face. You're, you turn up the radio, like music's got to be loud or, or give me some snacks. I got to eat. I got to do something to keep myself alert, keep myself awake. I got to figure out what I need to do. Talk to me. Talk to me, somebody. You know, like, it's like, I, I'm going to fall asleep if you don't have a good conversation right now. That's, those are the things that we do. You need to figure out something to overcome the pull of sleep, sweet sleep that you really want with your body. It's the same thing with spiritual sleepiness. It's the same thing. There is a pull of the world to pull us down to just be lulled to sleep and say, you know what, that spiritual stuff, forget it. I've got Netflix and a nice couch and I can just spend my life right here. I don't have to go out and do this or that. I've got air conditioning. It's hot outside. Like, I, I can just, uh, I don't need church this morning. Wimbledon's on. Like, let's make this happen. Like, the, there's a lot that, that pulls us the, in that way. But if you're not careful, what you find is, little by little, your spirit starts falling asleep. And there's parts of your spiritual life that have fallen asleep. You see this kind of natural tra- trajectory in people's lives when they first come to the Lord. For a lot of people, they get really excited about Jesus. They hear the gospel. God changes their lives. They start seeing growth and health, and they're experiencing things they've never experienced, and they understand things like never before, and they read the word, and it's coming alive to them. And they feel good, and they're moving forward. But then over time, that, that spike kind of gets a little bit normal, and it starts dropping a little bit. And then they're kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, I've done that in the Bible. Yeah, I kind of read most of it or parts of it here and there. And there's some good stuff in there. And before long, it just, it becomes lower and lower and lower of a priority until eventually, sometimes people are like, eh, I tried the Christianity thing. Their spirit has fallen asleep. But we have to overcome that tendency. And, And let me say this too. That's a natural tendency. All of us are susceptible to that. This isn't just, you know, oh, those other Christians that couldn't hang with it. No, that's not what it is. We all have that tendency. And it's nothing to be ashamed about or feel guilty over. We just have to recognize that that's a tendency and build our lives in such a way that we overcome that natural pull. Uh, That's why I encourage you guys as the people of church to make habits of spiritual practices. Make habits. Build it into your routine every day of your life. What are spiritual practices? Things like worship and prayer 
and fasting and, and study and meditation on the word. Christian community is a spiritual practice. Last summer, actually, we did a series on this. If you want to go back and, and listen to those, do it if you need to. You want to build a routine in your life that puts an emphasis on spiritual health. That's the only way you can do it. It's the same way in the physical realm. When you see somebody who's really in shape and they're over the age of 20, then guess what? They probably do something to maintain that health. It probably didn't happen by accident. Maybe they have really good genetics and it works out for them. But most of the time, if they're in really good health and they're going and they've worked at it, they've built uh, the habits that help support that health. It's the same thing when you look at somebody who's spiritually healthy. They've done something to emphasize their spiritual health. The practices themselves may not sound wonderful to you at first, but the results are great. It's just like push-ups, right? (laughs) You might not want to do them, but they have a result. Okay, so why was staying awake so important to Jesus? The first one we looked at is staying spiritually awake means staying spiritually healthy. The second main reason here is that staying spiritually awake allows us to complete the work that God has for us. All right? To put that another way, the benefit of staying awake spiritually is both for us and the rest of the world. In verse 34, Jesus describes God giving his servants things to do. He says, this is why you're going to stay awake. You're going to have tasks to do. There's going to be things to do. Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to minister and to serve and to love and to bring the gospel to the world. I, he, he, he told them in the Great Commission, he says, go, go and do those things. Teach what I've commanded. Baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Do these things that I have done. I'm calling you to do those. In God's great providence, he has chosen to use human beings to deliver his divine message to the world. And as we studied last week, if you're a Christian, you're called to minister. And ministering is just as simple as serving other people on Jesus' behalf. It's a privilege that we have. I'm I'm always humbled when I uh, meet somebody or hear about someone who doesn't know God, but they still devote their lives to caring and helping other people. Isn't that amazing? There's a lot of good people out there in the world who love to serve and care for others that don't know the Lord. I'm not wired that way. I'm selfish. (laughs) And without the Lord, I'm worried about me and serving me, not serving others or doing a work uh, for other people. But when Jesus awakened my soul and when I'm spiritually awake, I can see the needs of others and have a desire to meet those needs where I can. And I want to go where the Spirit of God leads me and do what he has for me to do. That's why Jesus calls us to stay awake. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, And let us not grow weary. What's growing weary? Another way of saying that? Getting sleepy. (laughs) Don't get tired of doing good. For, he says, in due season, we'll reap, we'll harvest, we'll bring in what it is that we're called to do if we do not give up. When we're functioning how God wants us to function in the world, there's great joy and fulfillment in our lives. That's one of the biggest um, benefits of not only walking with the Lord, but serving God and serving others because of God. We receive joy and fulfillment in our lives when we're doing that. 
Because that sort of work, the sort of work that God gives us, it matters. It has eternal reward. This is why Jesus tells his disciples. He doesn't say to his disciples, guys, it's going to be a mess at the end of all the world. It's going to, there's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be diseases. There's going to be uh, you know, coronaviruses. There's going to be wars. And there's going to be problems. And so what I want you guys to do is just bunker down, hide out somewhere, and let it all pass. Because you already know me. You're already good. And so I'll see you at the end. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say it. He says the very opposite. He says, yeah, it's going to be bumpy. It's going to be rough. But what I want you to do is I want you to stay awake. I want you to stay alert. I want you to still do what I've called you to do. I want you to still love people even when they don't love you back. I still want you to serve even though you're not, maybe not going to see any of that fruit in this life. He says, stay awake. And if we fall asleep spiritually, those are the first things to go. Those are the first things to go. And we can miss out on the joy and the fulfillment, but also doing what God's called us to. In the Old Testament, I think we have a really good example of how falling asleep spiritually can affect our work in the world. You know, um, there's a, a, a very critical character in the Old Testament, David, King David. The man who was called, anointed, to be the king of Israel. And he did this for a very long time. But at the end of of David's life, we see a major shift. Even though he had been, um, as the Bible describes him, a man after God's own heart. You know, he wrote nearly half of the book of Psalms. Okay, this is a spiritual guy that that followed after the Lord. Whose job, who had been anointed to be the king of Israel. But as his life went on, we see him kind of fall asleep spiritually. And toward the end of his life, what we find is we, we see him committing adultery. But not only that, commits adultery with a woman and then murders her husband to try to cover up the whole thing. It's a mess. It's like, how can a spiritual guy, a guy after God's own heart, a guy who's doing all this, how can he come to this? It's easy. It's easy. Any of us can do it. You just got to fall asleep spiritually. That's all that it takes. <coughs> Excuse me. He fell asleep spiritually. And that's not God's desire for us. He wants us to flourish to the very end, to finish the race. We need to stay awake to do so. All right, last last quick little thing here. Because I also want to point out here that Jesus is called to us. He calls us to stay awake, calls us to stay awake. But it's also important to notice that this call isn't just for us as individuals. All right, And so far in this message, that's what I've talked about mostly. It's like, how does this affect you? Well, it also affects us. This is a call to the church. In the illustration that, that Jesus gave, he described the master leaving the home, putting the servants in charge, and giving them all a command to stay awake. The spiritual life, a healthy spiritual life, is a shared life. We actually need each other to stay awake spiritually. If we're left to our own devices all by ourselves doing our own thing and thinking, I pray on my own, I read the Bible on my own, I think about spiritual things on my own, and it's all just locked into this little compartment in you, it's really hard to keep it afloat. Instead, when we have each other, we see that that spiritual vision and that spiritual alertness expand. Why? Because there's aspects of Jesus in you that are not in me. 
And when I'm around you, I get to see those things. I get to experience those things. I'm challenged in those areas. That is an important part of it. If I'm sleepy and you're sleepy, then we're all sleepy. And that's a problem. It's going to move our priorities. It's going to change what we do as a church and how we do it as a church. Churches can fall asleep and they're still meeting. There's probably churches, I don't have any that I'm trying to point out, there's probably churches in our area right now that are gathering together on a Sunday morning and are spiritually asleep. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Churches can spiritually dry up and even die. Jesus wants us to wake up and understand the importance of being alert. In Hebrews um, chapter 10, verse 23 to 25, very well-known verse, um, usually pastors you know, quote this to tell people, hey, you're supposed to come to church. So that matters, and it is here in this passage. But look what else it says. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of son, some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's he saying there? He's like, look, just like Jesus was talking about here when he says, look, there's going to be this spiritual pull that happens at the end of, of the world, all right? We're in that. Now, whether that's another 20 minutes or 200 years, I don't know, and I'm not going to claim to know. But what we do know is, yes, we are in this end. We're in this end peace. And in that time, there is this spiritual drag, this lull that's trying to pull people to sleep. But what he's saying here, he's like, look, the day is drawing near. We've got to encourage each other to stay awake, to stay alert, to grow. Our world needs the spiritual life that's found in Jesus. Needs it. And we've been given the opportunity to share the call. We cannot share the call when we're asleep spiritually. We can't do it. The church is for the believer and for the non-believer. And the call is to stay awake. One more verse and then we're done and I promise. Romans 13, verse 11. It says, the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed, right? Doesn't matter when you believed, if it was today or 25 years ago, we're closer to the end now, no matter what. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. See what he's saying here? He's like, yeah, the end is here. Get rid of all that other stuff that wants to put you to sleep. Wake up and let's move forward together as a church. So as I pray here for us, um, and as we spend some time, let's have the worship team come back up. Um, A couple just things for you to ask yourself as we wrap our service up here today. First off, are you spiritually drowsy? Not, Not are you drowsy, drowsy. Are you spiritually drowsy today? Is it time for you to wake up spiritually? Maybe you're the, the, the sort of person that you're like, this whole spiritual thing is all new to me. I need to wake up. Or, you know, maybe you've just been hitting the snooze button too long, right? It's like, yeah, I know, God, I'm supposed to do some things for you. A little later, a little later, a little later. If so, if, if, if that's the, the case for you, please answer Jesus' call to be spiritually awake.
Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I do thank you for your word today. And I know that it's not the easiest message necessarily to hear, but I do believe that Jesus has given us this message for a reason. And that reason is because it's so, it's so simple for us to fall asleep spiritually. And you want us to wake up. And so, God, I just pray that today, by your Spirit, you would quicken our souls. That's the old descriptive word of how you just wake us up. You alert us. You, you let us know it's time to wake up. And, and you are the only one who can truly breathe that new life into our hearts. And so, Lord, I just pray that if anyone here today needs to have that, that quickening, have that lifting of your Spirit, Lord, that that they would ask you for that and that you would graciously meet them with that here today. We want to be people that are spiritually alert, spiritually awake, and are are functioning in that world. Make us a church that is alive spiritually. Our desire for our church from day one has been that we would be healthy, spiritually healthy, that we would be vibrant that we would be full of your spirit, not a drowsy, sleepy church for a bunch of washed-up Christians, but instead a church that's alive, that's doing what you're calling us to do, that's experiencing the joy that comes from knowing you and walking with you. So enable us, Lord. Strengthen us in that way. Challenge us today. And may we do things for your glory and for your honor. Amen.